0: If you enjoy interdisciplinary, you should check out Hewell's new show, The Rub, a podcast about massage therapy. You can click the link in the show notes or find The Rub wherever you listen to podcasts. See you there.
1: Welcome to this latest episode of Interdisciplinary in this podcast. Massage therapy educators, practitioners, and positive deviants, Kathy Ryan, RMT, and me, Cal Cates, LMT. We'll use research, science, experience, and humor to explore the broad landscape of healthcare through a truly interdisciplinary lens. We'll have honest, uncomfortable conversations about topics like access, racism, death, ageism, ableism, all the isms and equity uh, that address the intersection of being human and providing quality care. You'll always learn something, you'll always laugh, and you'll come away better informed and with real things you can do in your own community and practice to create a more compassionate and collaborative system of care for all humans. Um, so, Kathy, are you, are you ready for, um, for this week's pun uh, to get us rolling in? Oh, I'm, I'm so ready, my friend. Let, it, let that one fly. All right, so today's pun is not exactly just a pun. It's kind of a life hack. I want to just let you know that you can't trust Adams. I mean, they make up everything. <laughs> but, um, gee. Uh, so Kathy Ryan, how is it going in, um, in the Canadian?
2: Um, a collective sigh of relief. Um, we're, we're feeling more of a sense of, of hope. I think like perhaps uh, some Americans are as well. And yeah, so there's that. And then there is COVID. It is real. It's still happening. Um, We're starting to see the numbers stabilize a bit here in BC. So for a while there, we saw the big surge. And now it's starting to level off again and even come down a bit. But uh, still wearing masks, washing hands, staying away from people other than ones right in my household. So that's how it's going here. How How are you, my friend?
1: Yeah, well, it's, it's similar here. I mean, I, I did hear this morning on the news that, um, some communities feel like they're starting to see the, the downturn, uh, that they feel that they have maybe hit the spike and, and that they're headed downward. But, you know, we also, I just, uh, saw a friend of mine who is in her mid seventies and she said that what she's hearing in her, Circles is that because of this sort of uh, mutant version of COVID that is um, not really different, except that it's more contagious, it's being recommended that people wear two masks. And so that's a whole nother debate. But honestly, the thing that I, I really just want to comment on is how I didn't even understand how harmful and traumatizing it was to have the truth of this continually denied until I saw those 400 luminaries on the National Mall that were put there to commemorate and to remember that 400,000 people have died from this virus or related complications of this virus. And that we've really been being told for the last year that this isn't happening. And it, it was this really, it was a surprise relief. Like when I got my first vaccine shot, like I just sort of all these things in my body just relaxed. And I was like, right. Like it is true. I'm not crazy you know, I've been believing it. I have friends who are frontline providers and I've been in hospitals working with people who are treating people with COVID. And and I've known and believed it's real this whole time, but to have this very visible display of no America, this is for real. And not only is it for real, we're going to honor the people who've died, but we're going to do something about it. And we're going to do something massive and collective. And it just, um, yeah, now I'm feeling the trauma of the denial of it um, in a way that I wasn't before that happened. So I, I do. I hope that um, that the the plans that the administration is going to put into place really do make the vaccine uh, widely accessible, and that we do see a different a different world uh, by the summer. You know, it still doesn't address the issues we've mentioned many times that there are millions of people who are probably years away slash will never have access um, because of the state of their country or because of their socioeconomic status. And um, that is some of the work that we will still need to do. And you know, as excited as I am about the new administration, um, you get like 36 hours to relax Um, And then it's back to work, you know, like if we become complacent, uh, we will lose the momentum that that is, um, you know, this hope and this possibility. So uh, I'm really excited to have our two guests join us today because they are definitely part of the solution and just bright lights in their own uh, regard. So uh, without further ado, we'll uh, welcome Beth Rosenthal and Dale Healy. Um, And uh, Beth, why
0: don't you start and tell us who you are, and why
1: do we want to hear from you?
0: <laughs> well, thank you so much. It, it's we're um, we're both really excited to be on this podcast with you. So thank you for the invite and this opportunity to talk with you. I am the director of the Academic Collaborative for Integrative Health, and um, I think I think I'll give my my bio, and then Dale, after you give your bio, we'll release our announcement news. How does that sound? Sounds good build up a little suspense cuz okay. yeah we have a little announcement that many of you may know of but still it's 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 exciting for us so to continue um my about me i am the director of uh, the collaborative and my educational background is i have a masters in public health from university of california berkeley i have an mba and phd from the university of chicago graduate school of business I have a passion for wellness and well-being and, and making care caring, having good health care be available and accessible to all. And by health care, I'm really including all the social determinants of health. That's language that I, I didn't have when, when I was first getting into this, this, this field. I just did it because I wanted to feel better and I wanted to help other people feel better from what I had been learning. I had uh, health challenges as a child. So that made this, this desire for wellness and well being really at the forefront for me. And this is how I, this is one of the ways I'm expressing. And I'm also an author and I've written books about how to use self-care tools in your daily life. Uh, and so one of them is it's that easy, the high vibe guide to uh, what you really want and replenish and replenish. I don't remember the whole title now, but it's, it's like a workbook for, for, for good living. So help you use help you use the tools. And by being in the integrative health and medicine field, I feel like I'm really helping move forward things I believe in to enhance people's well-being and planetary well-being. So that's just me, uh, a short thing, and, and we'll probably talk about more as we go along. But that's a start.
1: Excellent. Thank you. Thanks, Beth. Dale, you're on.
3: Yeah. So, thank you, first of all, for uh, inviting us on. Really appreciate the opportunity to chat with you and and to share our story and a little bit about our the organization that we're we're here representing. Uh, I am the vice chair of the Academic Collaborative for Integrative Health. Um, I'm, uh, as a, a board member, we, maybe we'll get into this a little bit, uh, further into the discussion, but I actually, I represent, uh, the commission on massage therapy accreditation on the academic collaborative for integrative health. I'm actually the vice chair for the commission on massage therapy accreditation. So, um, my day job is with Northwestern Health Sciences University in Bloomington, Minnesota, where I serve as the dean of the College of Health and Wellness. Um, College of Health and Wellness is uh, uh, basically it's a it's a collection of health related programs um, that. Don't fit into the other two colleges. Our other two colleges are the cho- College of Chiropractic and College of Acupuncture and Chinese Medicine, which is pretty self explanatory, but College of Health and Wellness, Massage Therapy, Medical Assisting, uh, Medical Lab Tech, Medical Lab Science, Radiologic Technology, uh, Radiation Therapy, and then our undergrad and post baccalaureate pre health programs. So I've been at Northwestern for a little over 18 years. I came to Northwestern to, uh, Oversee what was then the school of massage therapy, which is kind of how I got my start in um, integrative health education. I started at a small massage therapy school in outside of Salt Lake City, Utah, uh, overseeing a teaching and then overseeing their massage therapy program. So, education is my 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 education is in chiropractic. I'm a chiropractor by training, but very shortly after graduating from chiropractic school I kind of stumbled into the education side of things th- through massage therapy school and then expanded that uh, at Northwestern and I and I love it. Uh, I also have a PhD from the University of Minnesota in organizational leadership, policy and development uh, with a focus in in higher education. So um and I guess the only other thing I'll say as far as my back my my bio is I'm one of and we'll, we maybe we'll talk more about this too but uh I am one of the co-chairs for the education working group um within the academic collaborative for integrative health lots of uh lots of acronyms and 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 words in there but uh we can we can dive into what what all that means so thrilled to be here and uh looking forward to the conversation sure.
0: We'll be right back. Do you want to change the world? So do we. Join Healwell this September in Arlington, Virginia when we host the event to remember. There will be classes and conversations. There will be old friends and new ones. And yes, there will be dancing. Come to Healwell Homecoming and let's keep this ball rolling.
1: So many places to start. I mean, I, you know, the thing that I, I mean, I remember meeting you, Beth, like it, maybe even a decade ago at one of the, when it was ACAC. Um, ACAC. and That's and right. Her,
0: the Academic Consortium for Collaborative and Alternative Healthcare, I believe. ACAC. I, that sounds right. Yeah. Something like that. And Dale, like
1: maybe, maybe we w- met at the same event. I can't remember, but I feel like okay. I've, I've known you both for a long time and sort of, um, we Our, our profession moving forward, if we're talking about the massage profession um, and really healthcare in general, I feel like we'll really rely on people like what you just described each of you are and do, you know, we sort of joke that you're sort of like the Swiss army knife of, of providers and influencers because you've got public health and education and, you know, Dale, you've got chiropractic as well as massage and sort of the natural overlaps don't get seen when we're in our silos. And you know, I always whenever I look at your bio Dale, I think like, does this guy ever go to the bathroom? (laughs) Um and you know, we talk about that, but um, but I wonder also how much of you know, you have a lot of titles, but I bet there's a lot of overlap in the various things that you do. And so um I have like big, broad questions, but I know you guys have an announcement. So we should maybe we should start with your announcement and go from
3: there. Yeah, don't, yeah. don't keep us in suspense
1: because we yeah. can
0: finally talk about it. And so yeah. <laughs> I'm super, super excited. That's and so the announcement, which which some of your audience may already know, but uh, if they don't follow us, they they will not know if this is the first they've heard of our organization. And that is, we have merged with the Academy for Integrative Health and Medicine. So this is this is news, right? That's awesome. This, this process began in December of 2018, and we, wow. we talked about it because it's been we've been in very deep and detailed discussions of do we want to do this? Why do we want to do this? How would it work? And going back and forth between our respective boards, we have a we had a joint task force composed of members of our board, members of their board, members of our staff, members of their staff, doing the deep, deep deliberations. And uh, going back and forth between our boards, how does this sound? What do you want? What, you know, what sounds good? And we came with a, um, a memorandum of understanding with which both our boards signed in December. We started making the announcement December 28th. So this is really hot off the press. Yeah. And operationalization uh, began January 4th. So we still we still have to sign the legal papers. They're they're being drawn up now. We expect that to be complete by the end of the month. And a, a lot will remain the same because a lot of our working group members and our, our 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 members of our organizations are asking, well, what does this mean for us? So let me first start by saying it's business as usual, but better. Yeah. We have access to way more resources, a, a bigger team, wider visibility, and we can talk about why this is such a great merger for both of our organizations and how it really extends our, our reach and, and the synergies, but that is the the most exciting news. And, and when we had originally scheduled this interview, I didn't know when our merger would, if and when it would occur and when we could talk about it. So I was kind of wanting to schedule at a time when I felt we might be able to. And so this is hugely exciting for us because we we've been on many discussions where we weren't at liberty to talk about it because it was still in development and now we can talk about it and it's happening and we're really really happy.
2: We got the scoop, Cal. Yeah, boom.
0: Yeah.
1: yeah. Well, and that leads me to ask and I and I don't know how openly or or if there's anything to talk about here but we at well we get questions all the time, how do I start a nonprofit? And I just tell people don't. You know, like <laughs> There are enough, and um, there <laughs> good is what answer you want to do and and you know if you're starting a nonprofit because you want to say you started it and you're the boss of it, like think about that and and so yeah. I'm curious as I think of these two really formidable organizations some somebody had to give up power some some lots of somebodies and lots of yes. like decisions about that, and I feel like the conversations we're having on this podcast and in in our own organizations and in how do we write the world, people have to be willing to give up power to create useful things. And so how, I mean, can you say anything about that dynamic in all of this?
0: Yeah, I think we both can because, because Dale's on the board. So I'll I'll just start as a member of the joint, ta- I'm a member of the joint task force as well. Uh, and, and Dale's a member of our board, so Dale can can speak to his perspective on that. But I think you, you hit on one of the main tensions, and this is an organization that is built on passion. It's it's done a lot. It's it filled a need that had not been filled, and so can we merge into another organization and keep everything that's important to us and our decision-making and we will be we will be intact we will be a business unit within the academy our board will become a council so we are doing our best to address that but of course we are losing some uh some decision making where we will now have to make sure we're aligned with the academy's broader vision we will have three board members from the collaborative unit on the academy board so we're doing everything we can to anticipate and address that, but that is a very real issue and, and fear and challenge of, of, of how do we maintain everything we've worked so so hard to maintain. So Dale, did, did you want to add anything from sure. your perspective on that?
3: Sure. I think, I mean, I guess I would start by saying, I mean, there's a huge amount of trust that uh, has to go into something like this. Mm-hmm. I mean, we we didn't just meet the folks from the academy the other day and, you know, go through our, you know, papers and say, this might make sense. You know, these are individuals that we've developed relationships with over the years. We've attended their conferences. They've participated in our gatherings and such and so we have that deep trust that is so essential in this in spite of that I, you know there there have been at the board level you know questions and discussions about well what about our budget you know we we want to have control of our budget and what about our board our board has to stay intact and i could you, you could sense kind of this you know this hesitancy because of the passion that these people have that everyone has and the the energy that we have around changing the world uh it's we're, we're hesitant to to give that up, but with that trust and understanding who these people are and what their mission is, I think we're we're coming to a point where we realize that uh, the whole will absolutely be. More effective, stronger than the sum of its parts. Um, I mean, there's so many elements to this union that will will make the things that we've been trying to accomplish on our own uh, so much easier. I mean, if if it works, that's that's the idea, right? But uh, but you're you're right. I mean, there is yeah. this sort of human tendency, this natural tendency to say, oh, we're giving up some power, and you know where. I've been excited about the conversation is when we're able to shift that com- shift that to. It's not about our power. It's not about my individual power. That's, I mean, that's silly. You know, in, in a way, when you think about the big picture, the 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 what matters is the mission. What are we trying to accomplish here? What's it going to yeah. take to accomplish this mission? And if we're if we're so hung up on what we can control and what we're going to get credit for, uh, you know, that's that's a limiting. Thought, I guess, and uh, so I feel like we're we're sort of turning that corner a little bit, but it, it has been interesting to participate in those those conversations and hear those anxieties uh, come to the forefront. Yeah.
0: Dale, can I can I jump in and talk about some of the the ways we complement each other?
3: Absolutely, yeah. Let's hear it.
0: Cal, is that all right? If we okay, Because you, know, you stimulated my my thinking, and and this is kind of the the broader pictures. Why would we do this, and what are we gaining? And in our organization, the collaborative, as Dale was saying, we we have uh, we have these working groups. We have education, which Dale is the co chair. We have a research working group. We have a clinical working group, and. These working groups, composed of fabulous volunteers, have developed all these, these, these papers and products over the years. And then we put them on our website and in these a great integrative practice webinars, which we'll put a link to that too. There's a really, really exciting one coming up in February. Um, and then dissemination. Well, we need we we, we could use a little uh, help with that. And here steps in the academy and they have great, you know, global reaches so we can work with them for visibility and dissemination of, of our, what we've been building, you know, our scholarly academic works that can really help, we, we hope, help people on the ground. And they also have chapters, regional chapters. So we can, we can really use those to further interprofessional education, interprofessional collaboration, which is what we are designed to do. And we also complement each other because the collaborative is more of an organization of organizations, mm, yeah. And the academy has a primarily clinicians, and, and so we, and there's just so many ways. And then on a personal level, even though you know we were going so nicely on on the broad, I, to, I will just say uh, another another way this this merger is so healthy for us is all the administration. Administrative tasks that can now be streamlined and taken off of my plate. Yeah, so I can attend to programmatic work and our, our working group projects and the bigger picture of helping, you know, assisting, being involved with uh, all the things we want to do with our mission, creating a really a system of, of well being. Yeah, I have more bandwidth to do that now instead of overlooking, uh, you know, administrative things that now I can pass along.
1: Absolutely. I mean, that that is huge, because when you're if you are the leader of an organization, you're not actually there to manage the administration. You're ostensibly, you are a visionary person who can help to hold the mission and vision and lead. And if you're busy with bookkeeping, and you know, just all of the things that go into maintaining an organization, it's hard to focus and and to have those ideas and and how to move them forward. That's an important point to make.
3: The, The other thing that occurs to me that 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 I'm excited about for this merger is, you know, Beth already mentioned that the the collaborative is an organization of organizations. The academy is an organization of uh, clinicians, practitioners, but the other big difference I think is that the academy um, is most of those clinicians, and, and maybe you know more about this than I do, Beth, the numbers and such, but I think most of them are medical doctors, nurses. They're not, chiropractors, acupuncturists, and massage therapists, the the balance of them anyway. And so I I feel like in the the complementary and integrative health world, there are organizations on the, uh, I'm not really even sure how to say it, the Western side or the allopathic side that are reaching toward... Uh, reaching toward us, if we can say that, I'm using air quotes there. With us, as the the integrative health world, mm-hmm. uh, and and then we have organizations like the collaborative that are made up of massage therapists, acupuncturists, chiropractors, those folks who are usually thought of as the integrative health practitioners. And we're reaching out to them. You know, we have something to offer, and uh, and there's a few examples of that I can think about there. But but this merger feels like. That line between these integrative health practitioners that are reaching one way and the allopathic practitioners who are reaching the other way, it feels like that line is we're not reaching for each other as much anymore. We're closer. That line is blurred and we're, we're able to share resources and ideas and and uh, that just feels like a huge win to me.
0: Yeah, and I, I will I will add to that that they have the academy has really done their work. They, they have a level playing field. So while they, they, I don't know the statistics, they may have more MDs and DOs than, uh, you know, than other. They have other integrative uh, professionals in leadership positions like the e. Tabitha Parker, the ED is a naturopathic doctor. Yeah. And then they do have uh, our fields represented in, in definitely in their membership and in their leadership. And, and still, so, 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 our meeting of the lines, as, as you say, Dale. They've done their work, yes. so we're not going into any hostile territory. They've they've already made it a level playing field and welcoming us to to complement even more. Absolutely. So, um,
3: Yeah, 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 I don't, I certainly don't mean to take anything away from them about the work they've done and such, but that's just, that's how I think they started and they've been, you know, migrating and, and, uh, trying to reach out and, and get people, uh, from, from our fields and leadership positions and such. And they've, uh, they've had huge success, but I think this is just going to be a, a huge leap forward in the, that, that evolution, I guess. So exciting.
0: Here's a quote I have from from Tabitha Parker uh, that the Academy was historically an association of holistic medical doctors. And while the Academy became interprofessional in 2014, merging with the collaborative, that's us, will formally bring in the licensed integrative health professions and it signals that professional silos are truly coming down. And of course, we're bringing with us also our traditional world medicine and emerging Professions, and I, I think maybe I should take a moment and just explain what the the collaborative is. Do you think that would be useful, Cal? Definitely. Yeah. All right. The collaborative was founded in two thousand and four, and we represent twenty approximately twenty national integrative health and medicine organizations. We're very much an academic organization with the councils of colleges, the certif- certifying and testing organizations, the accreditation agencies. For the, there, there's five licensed uh, integrative health and medicine professions. That means they have a federally recognized acc- accrediting agency, and those are acupuncture and East Asian medicine, chiropractic, direct entry midwifery, mm-hmm. massage therapy, and um, naturopathic medicine. And then, as as I mentioned, we also have uh, ca- uh, organizations representing traditional world medicines and emerging professions and those are these are professions that are engaged in self-regulation um or working towards future licensure we have individual colleges in those professions that i mentioned who can be members and in many uh, individuals and organizations who are associate members meaning they 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 support us and they they just want to be part of part of it
1: yeah well, and I, I feel like one of the things that you hit on both in your description of, of sort of the history of ACIH and also in what what will be happening with this merger is that I feel like, um, I mean, I'm constitutionally cranky about many of these things. And so my one of my frustrations has always been that um, integrative has been this sort of, um, it's been this limiting description of modalities under an umbrella of like non-mainstream and it's really a philosophy of care. and so we've had as you described you have these, you know, holistic and naturopathic. you have physicians over here who sort of believe in this stuff, whatever it might be, and then you have these people over here who practice this stuff. but there's there hasn't been this idea that like integrative actually means that we are collaborating actively in the care of individuals and that multiple people from different disciplines will be providing what is useful from their discipline for this person. And that we're sharing our ideas about how to bring this person to the best state of wholeness. And that hasn't happened. And I feel like we just had our strategic planning retreat at Healwell, Well, and we did a pretty big pivot during COVID toward we've always wanted to do and really focus on interdisciplinary education and collaboration. But COVID really gave us a chance because for six months we weren't able to touch patients because there wasn't enough PPE. So um, my board was kind of like, well, wait, so we're not doing massage anymore? And we're like, no, no, no. We're we're cultivating relationships across the sort of discipline aisle because the best advocates for other disciplines will always be other disciplines. You know, you can only toot your own horn so loudly, but if you have other practitioners who are already recognized as essential to care saying, Gosh, you know, if we brought in an acupuncturist, if we brought in a massage therapist, that would really change what it looks like for this person. And that's really how we move forward, I feel like. So it's not a it's not mission creep at all. It's actually kind of a
2: more efficient way to get
3: there. Absolutely. Well,
2: and I I don't want to miss the opportunity to to really highlight one of the things that Dale said about, look, I'm not really giving up any power here really the whole point of this is the cause what we are fighting for what we are working for and from my perspective that is in essence what disciplinary ought to be that it's not this profession works better or that profession works better or you should listen to us because you haven't or whatever the case may be it's about everyone collectively coming to the table and figuring out what it what best serves the patient you know so from my perspective someone who practices from a very patient centered uh, perspective. For me, this is exciting because this is what this is speaking to. We have these patients, they need such and such. How can we best achieve their goals or meet their needs?
3: And the the language is so important. That,
0: that's what our many of our
3: Yes, it, languaging. The the point that Cal made about uh, the languaging of it, the, this term integrative, and we're struggling with integrative now. It wasn't that long ago we were struggling with alternative, right? Alternative was the thing for so long. We, oh, we're alternative. We're alternative to you know what other folks are doing and and such. And uh, and that became that that served a purpose at the time. You know, it's it's sort of that that's what the the situation called for, I think, was that term at the time. But we've evolved past that. And now alternative sounds terrible, right? We don't use alternative anymore. We're not alternative. We're integrative. We want to work with you. But, you know, I've struggled with, you know, every time I say integrative, that when I refer to us as the integrative health professions, it feels awkward to me. Inside my head, I'm like, "Eh, we're not the integrative health professions. Integrative is the model. We're working together for an integrative model. But then I, I do struggle with what to call all us <laughs> you know what i mean what 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 is this other half of yeah. this health of the of the healthcare world um i don't know that we've we've come up with the with the best term and i think eventually uh there won't be a need for a term because
2: excellent care say it again Excellent care. Excellent
3: care. Sure, yeah. that works. Yeah. But there's excellent care on, on, uh, throughout healthcare, right? I mean, there's excellent care in the, in the, in the ER, in the, in the, in the surgical suite and, and whatnot. Uh, so, you know, I, I think that hopefully the day will come that we don't have to call it, call it's something else, because it's just healthcare. we're all just working together in this integrative model. We got a massage therapist over here. we got a surgeon over here. we got a dentist over there. We're all bringing our best selves to the table and practicing at the the top of our scope and and that's that but
0: that's what Adi Haramani used to say too. someday we'll just call it good healthcare or something like that so. Yeah. Well noted.
3: Well, I'm, I'm in good company. if shall I do in now? Yep, please.
0: That's, oh, yeah. yeah. So right. I, I, what I, I, this whole idea of interprofessional education and interprofessional collaboration is so big and so big with us. That's front and center for us. And I'm reminded of something that John Weeks used to say, who was our founding, well, not our founding, but he, he was our executive director for a long time. Yeah. And he would say we practice interprofessional education internally so we can foster it externally. We still were very much like that. We we have a balance of professions on our board, on our executive committee, in each of our working groups. We I mean by policy we we have a balance in a certain number of slots for each we work to fill them all on our projects. So we we're very deliberate about that. And the working group projects are designed to have outputs that foster this interprofessional education and or interprofessional collaboration to reach exactly what we're talking about today. How do all health professions educate their students so that they can understand and respect and work with people in other disciplines as well as understand and respect patients being patient-centered care and the languaging I wrote a paper quite a while ago about the integrated integrative you know all these what how the way people define it emphasizes what they're going to do and the idea let's see integrative integrated oh we used to see our, our disciplines referred to as modalities quite often, and maybe that still happens, but I don't see it so much. And that loses the whole context and, and deep, rich traditions and, and the wholeness of the paradigm. So I'm, I'm, I was glad to hear that mentioned earlier, too. We strive to make sure that we are talking about our disciplines and our professions. And and the collaborative work with the the consortium early on in, in their definition of um, integrative or interprofessional. I can't recall what it is now, but they did include practitioners in their definition as a result of comments from us. And so we we really like the definition. It might be for integrative medicine. I don't recall.
1: Yeah. Well, and I'm curious as you're talking, I mean, I think about um, all the work we're doing around social justice and unconscious bias and, and things in a broader sense. And we think about sort of Black-white relations and you know Asian-black relations, whatever. But I think we have the same unconscious biases interdisciplinarily. And you know, massage therapists think these things about doctors, and doctors think these things about acupuncturists. And and I, I'm curious as we talk about interdisciplinary education and and really that kind of collaboration, what we do within the professions to help people understand. Right. So you have the the desk reference that. Gosh, that's probably what is the first edition of that is eight or ten years old. Um, that sort of describes them. But again, it sort of it, it tells you this is what a doctor looks like, right? This is what a doctor thinks, this is how a doctor was trained. But how do we get a doctor and a massage therapist sitting at a table saying, Oh, yeah, I love Dr. Pepper too. And, you know, this thing annoys me about the way healthcare happens. And, you know, I have a tiny dog. And like, how do we make each other people? so that our disciplines and our incorrect assumptions about them don't get in the way as we're trying to collaborate. And I wonder if that's if that's on the radar at all about um, how to make this a more effective partnership.
0: Well, I was looking in the CDR of the desk reference because at one point we had this great table in there from John Weeks about prejudices, what, oh, yeah. what we say and what they say. Uh-huh. And it was so funny and so true about yeah. it. If, if uh, you know, like chemotherapy, what we say about it, poison with what they might say about it, you know, miracle drug. Right. But but on both sides, and it, it, so that that's still that's part of our job to to break down silos and the whole interprofessional education, and it's it's not easy work. They'll know, definitely.
3: Yeah, I, it's uh, you know we we talked earlier about the importance of relationships as the two the two groups coming together and trust and such and. I mean, it's yeah. it's a lot of it's a lot of work and it's sort of, um, you know, it's it's what you're talking about, Cal, can't really be delivered with a, a paper or, a you know, a manual. You know, right. one thing we do at, uh, at Northwestern yeah. that we've done for many years is uh, the uh, second year medical students from the University of Minnesota come on campus uh, at least up until this last year, they came on campus. We did do it virtually this year, but uh, they come on campus to learn about acupuncture and Chinese medicine. And they we set up these tables in the gym, they go from table to table. And uh, they get a needle put in their arm and they, you know, experience moxibustion and tweena and all of those things from acupuncture students. And then we go back into the, the auditorium after they've experienced these things and we have a panel and there's a medical doctor up there and one of our senior acupuncture faculty. And they talk in very, very honest terms. And that's this is the, one of the points I want to make is the importance of honesty around this And we talk about the limitations of acupuncture. We talk about, you know, how we think it can help this and there's evidence for that, but there's not evidence for this. And and, uh, we answer the medical students' questions and it's very, you know, we're not hitting them over the head with, you know, acupuncture works. You must work with acupuncturists because of this paper and that paper. Doesn't work. Right. Doesn't work. Puts up barriers. But if we're able to have an honest conversation and be honest with ourselves about the limitations of our own professions and uh, be willing to be vulnerable, a little bit vulnerable with that, um, I think barriers will come down and we'll yeah. be able to see each other as uh you know, competent practitioners in in our own individual professions, and and see those opportunities to invite the massage therapist into the hospital, the acupuncturist into the hospital, refer to a surgeon. Um, you know, those those types of yeah. uh, those types of relationships can be built, but it takes it takes you know being willing to give up some of that power, as we said earlier, to trust, uh, to be open to it. So, and both ways, right?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Definitely. So, uh, you know, I think one of the one of the challenges I know from our perspective in massage therapy is that um I I feel constantly like I'm not sure where to put the horse or the cart because I I don't want a wholesale welcoming of 360,000 massage therapists into healthcare because a lot of us are not prepared to make that integrative contribution. And so I, out of, you know, this horn, I'm yelling, gosh, you know, massage therapy could be so valuable in chronic pain management and chronic disease management and so many, we could be saving millions of healthcare dollars. But at the same time, then I just spend two minutes in like a Facebook massage therapist group. And I go, oh, except don't invite these people. (laughs) From an education standpoint, it's hard to know how far upstream do we go how do we, and I imagine this is, there are similar conversations in other disciplines that there are massage therapists who will never want to be in those environments. And how do we help them understand that by creating an avenue for that, nobody loses. Yeah. Um, and that you don't have to come to that party. Just don't stand in front of the door.
3: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the, uh, you know, my, we, we, we won't have, I don't think we'll have time to get into this in a lot of depth, but I think you know this, Cal, and certainly you do, Beth, that, we, you know, one of my areas of focus that I love is hospital-based massage therapy. And one of the projects, actually, that's come out of the Academic Collaborative is a set of competencies uh, for hospital-based massage that's therapy. So good. Right. good. Uh, And they can be found on the, on the website. We can give you that, that link. Uh, You know, some of, some of your listeners may know MK Brennan, the past president of the AMTA, Carolyn Tagg, and then Beth also has worked on that project. Um, so I'll say that I'll put in that plug, but I'll also say, you know, massage therapy, the thing I've said for many years is the blessing and curse of massage therapy. It is, is that it is so fantastic in so many different environments. You know, I tell potential students, I said, what other profession, what other healthcare profession can you practice literally on the beach or in the hospital? and everything in between. (laughs) I mean, it is, it is such a versatile and and people, you know, it tends to be unfortunate. The curse of that is sometimes it tends to be minimized or dismissed because it's, it's, it's everywhere. It's so ubiquitous in, in the, uh, in the, in the market, but the, the 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 twist on that is that the reason it's so popular and the reason it's p- practiced everywhere is because it works. It has such a tremendous uh, possibility <coughs> to impact the the health and wellness of 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 everyone, right? How and, and to your point, Cal, circling back around to this, I um, mean, you know, it's the massage therapist that's practicing on the beach may or may not be qualified based on their. Uh, background and education to practice in the hospital they might be you know maybe they've 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 taken some advanced training and uh you know massage on the beach can be just as uh beneficial i guess in general terms as massage in the hospital but there is a skill set there is a specialty to being in the hospital there's a whole slew of uh of skills and competencies that that you need to be uh, effective and, uh, to be able to practice responsibly in that environment. So, um, and, and I, I'm, I'm sure that applies in some, to some level to the other professions, but I think massage, at least my experience is that yes. that's, yes. It, I don't think any of the others have yeah. that range and it's, it's tricky. It creates this uh, identity crisis in massage therapy that shows up so many different ways, accreditation, licensing, levels of training. And you're very familiar with all the debates around uh, each of those topics, Cal, for sure. Cal will know
2: this about me that I'm, do my best not to scream during this conversation, because <laughs> Cal knows this is one of the drums that I beat very loud here in Canada. I, I mean, we have a number of provinces where we do have national standards for education and training. I served on the task force to create the competencies for our entry to practice education and training here in Canada. But one of my issues, you know, one of the things that I've been Banging on the door of regulators and associations and anybody who will listen, is that we do not have a pathway for advancement, a standardized pathway for advancements. Like in many professions where they can do their masters, do their PhD, uh, specialize in a particular area, we cannot specialize. You know, it's not written into our bylaws, there's, and there's no there's no standardized pathway for that. So, uh, you know, Dale, the what you're creating for the hospital-based competencies, I would love to see that happen in a in a way. So exactly that. If someone wants to come in at entry-level education and training and just stick with that and do massage therapy on the beach or here in Canada, it's two years of training. It certainly is a lot of anatomy and physiology, all the foundational sciences to do, you know, what I would describe as maybe more clinical work you know, not offending any of my colleagues who work in a spa type of setting, um, but give that as a foundation. And then for those who want to go in a different direction or specialize in an area, create advanced um, education, training, uh, competencies. So if we want to work more in the world of oncology that we have those additional skills and that additional training that will support us so that we can practice in a safe and effective manner within those types of uh, complex pain, complex trauma. You know, I can name a number of specialized populations that would be well-served by a massage therapist having an avenue for that.
3: 100% agree, yeah, here, here, so it's uh yeah something- can
2: you create that for us Dale? sure yeah that, that
1: happens dale <laughs> um no today Just do that
3: I'll, I'll work um, on it this weekend
1: i you know we excellent <laughs> we want it we have really shifted in the last couple of years that heal well to advocating for massage therapists um because so much of the research that that exists um whether you know it be out with the public or with healthcare staff or it's other providers providing a massage e kind of intervention and and doing strokes. And I mean, we know that the primary thing we're interacting with when we're doing massage is the nervous system. So it, it's not that these people lack sort of the anatomical knowledge or the, you know, the physiology, but there's a, there is, as we've just alluded to, a set of skills that go with this practitioner that make your experience of that intervention different. And you know, I think we've, we've seen in Australia, they've established some national standards in Canada. I mean, the U.S. is kind of too big, and I don't know that we'll ever have like sort of a national standard, but but something that would allow us to show that sort of advanced level of practice that says like these kinds of providers can work with these conditions or, you know, I think your point about setting is so important because there are people doing really important clinical work at massage ND. There are people probably doing important clinical work on the beach. Oh, really? You know, your hands tell you what's under them and you go, oh, this is really useful right here. Um, so I think it is important that we separate those pieces, that it's not about where you practice. It's about what skills and self-awareness and things come to bear in you providing whatever the care is you provide. Yeah.
3: And, and you know, I might add, just, you know, just to bring this back to the the broader, Integrative health world. I think that's going to be a point of tension as we as we move forward with these relationships with the with the academy and and uh, the broader healthcare world is scope of practice. I mean that uh, you know the the acupuncturists and the chiropractors. Yeah. That's another that's another example of where this shows up. You know, how, you know the the chiropractors and medical doctors can do a couple hundred hours depending on your state of acupuncture training and. And the patient oftentimes doesn't know the difference. I'm getting needles put in me, you know, and uh, there's acupuncturists that have well over 3000 hours. So they're like, oh, you know, there might be a little bit of a difference there. And so that's, uh, that'll be interesting to, uh, that'll be an interesting piece of this evolution to navigate, I think, for all professions.
0: Absolutely. Well, an important, important thing that, that we can contribute because when ACAC first began, there was a task force, hot spots, cooling points, something like that, for just these issues because we are all educators. And the hope was that being an educator would trump any turf issues you, you might have to come in and discuss with other educators of different professions. And so, uh, yeah, Dale, I appreciate you saying that because it highlights that that could be an incredible opportunity for us as well to, to address this tension. Uh, in in a way that's aligned with all of our values.
1: Yeah. And I, I think we can bring a lot to bear from the diversity, equity, and inclusion world that, you know, just as we have people of color being tokenized right now, as we know the optics are good to bring people of color onto your boards or your whatever, massage therapists, acupuncturists also get brought on, like, see, we have this person, this person has no say in how care is provided. And we sort of like tell them what to do, but look, they're on our team. And, you know, I think we really need to, to take some of the pages from those books and understand what inclusion really means. And that brings us right back around to that, who has to give up or at least is perceiving that they're being asked to give up power and how do we gracefully navigate those conversations? Because that, that, that will be one of the biggest sticking points, I think, of, of really moving forward as
3: a whole. Yeah, very, very good point. Yeah, agreed.
2: There's a... Janet Travell, the the mother of trigger points, there was a great quote um, that I that I saw of hers many 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 years ago, and it has stuck with me. And she said, "What who is right doesn't matter. What is right is what matters." Yeah, you know, and I think that's a really important thing when we get into these collaborative spaces is to really focus on what. What is needed here? What is the correct way forward? Not who comes up with the idea or who's going to be the person leading the charge or whatever the case may be. Let's stay focused on what is the issue and what needs to be done to manage that or fix that or create a better way forward or whatever the case may be. 100%.
3: I like that. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Uh,
3: yeah I, a lot of the uh, the the well Beth, like, the, the the task forces the task forces that we participate on you know the uh, the goal is to eliminate the need for the task force you know you accomplish what is right and therefore right. you don't need that power anymore so um that's i I like that I like that perspective you know it's not about my individual power it's about what I'm trying to what we're trying to accomplish.
1: Yeah. yeah. Look
2: what I did. Mm-hmm. I put
1: myself out of a job. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that, that's awesome.
2: <laughs> As a massage therapist, I try to do that all the time. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> that means I've done a good job. Yeah. Exactly.
1: Well, I think we could probably talk to you both for hours more, but um, we, um, we, we want people not, um, you know, driving for hours just to keep listening or maybe we do. I don't know. But, um, what um what do you want to leave us with if if each of you uh, is willing to take a minute or so to just kind of say like this is this is what's important about what we're doing or this is how people can get involved what should we know
3: uh i might i might just say the you know what i've learned in this journey is just the 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 um I don't want to use the word power because we've been kind of knocking that but the, but the ability of an individual to make a difference you know I mean uh involvement in organizations like the collaborative or the academy or um you know local organizations you know the 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 ability of one voice to to make a difference and to move this whether it's diversity equity and inclusion um in the more traditional sense that we talk about it or the integrative health model that we're trying to move forward uh everyone that's listening today has the ability to kind of move that and move the needle on that initiative and uh, I guess I would encourage folks not to to minimize their ability to make a make a difference and uh there's uh I feel tremendous hope I guess for for many reasons today but uh, uh particularly around this topic I'll say
0: and I'll build on that. Integrative Health Day is coming up, January 23rd. And at the Academy, we're talking about how, how people can participate in that. And um, so I would say on that way of thinking, choose one thing today or right now that is integrative care to you. Like what is one self-care thing that you know would help you, that does help you? And give yourself five minutes right now or today to do that one thing and you have moved integrative health forward because it's cliche, because it's true that it all begins with us and our relationships and how we take care of ourselves impacts how we take care of others and our impact in the world. And we at the Collaborative and the Academy are, are, are... quite focused on bringing our best selves to our work, collaborating well and making an impact uh, in, in the world, world's communities. And we, if if exploring our websites, we'll, we'll give the websites for the collaborative and the academy and the link to the hospital-based massage therapy uh, competencies. If any of that calls to you, then become a supporter, become a member, but at least do something nice for yourself. That's all,
1: That really does matter.
2: <laughs>
1: uh, well, thank you both for being here. Uh, I am Phil Cal Cates, uh, one of the hosts of Interdisciplinary, the healthcare podcast from Healwell, Well. And thank you to Kathy Ryan, my co-host. And I'm still
2: Kathy Ryan here in British Columbia, major Healwell Well fan person.
1: <laughs> Beth and Dale, we'll, we'll see you out on the uh, I don't know, out on the playground, let's call it. It's
0: not yeah. the bad. Yeah.
3: Love it. Thank you so much. Well, thank
0: you so much. We have enjoyed this so much. And it's great seeing both of you. Thank,
3: thank you. you guys.
2: Interdisciplinary is produced by Heelwell. Our theme music is by Harry Pickens. You can send us
1: feedback at info at HealWell.org. That's info at HealWell.org. New episodes will be posted
2: weekly via Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and our Facebook page. Thank you.